Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Chambele. Thanks for tuning in on this glorious Tuesday evening. Tonight, we're talking all education through the lenses of metric past rates of 2020. And later on, we'll reflect on higher education landscape uh, by talking to our guest, Tabi Kalafeng, the founder of, uh, the, the founder and the CEO of Pan African Advisory Firm, Brand Leadership Group, and the founder of Brand Africa. Tebe has uh, launched an Africa, uh, Africa Brand Leadership Academy, which promises to set uh, the education landscape ablaze. Uh, if you ask me, the man has done it before, and he continues to be a trailblazer and pathfinder in niche markets. So I, I, I sincerely hope and wish him all the best in this initiative. But before we get into the main course of our conversation, which is, of course, the engagement with Tebe on his new baby, uh, uh, African, African Brand Leadership Academy, uh, let's get to, let's, let's, you know, uh, perhaps maybe it is all, it is in order for us to join the country and congratulate matriculants who have done us so proud by overcoming odds imposed by COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, we can all agree that kudos ought to go to school governing bodies, uh, school principals, teachers, learners, for banning midnight oils under depressing, if not in trying circumstances. If you, if you do not know what the, what the provinces that fare like in terms of the metric pass rates, uh, First State again has done it. Uh, it's, it's, on, it's, it's, it's in its own league at, at 85%, followed by Gauteng at 83.3%, followed by Western Cape. Gee, Western Cape, it's, 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 it's really tailing behind Free State, uh, at 79.9%. KZN, it's on the fourth spot at 77.6%, followed by North, North Northwest, uh, sitting at 676.2%, followed by Mpumalanga at 73.7%, followed by Limpopo, uh, which is not really doing that great at 68.2%. And, and followed by Eastern Cape, um, which is sitting at uh, 68.1%, and the ox tail being Northern Cape at 66%. I mean, um, this is definitely uh, newsworthy of celebrating across the board, particularly when we, when, when we uh, had to understand the kind of environment which uh, our learners had to go through um, during the pandemic. Uh, be that it is May, um, I don't want to be, I don't want to mess up the, the kind of vibe, but we need to be realistic about what kind of, uh, challenges are going to face the, the metric post and, and their predecessors, of course. And I just want to quickly reflect on leadership challenges, uh, in the country and inefficiencies in the high education space for that matter. I mean, it's depressing, uh, uh you know, if not disheartening to know that 13% of youth between 20 and 34 uh, are graduates and they all are unemployed. I mean, you begin to ask a question, when you've got BCom engineering student um, sitting at home, you know, without any prospects of employment, how does that, how does that one make feel? I mean, it is completely and, and, and utterly disheartening. And sadly, these are, are, are things that a manifestation of macro uh, economic policies that are not driving the you know the economy at the level that we 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 ought to be and addressing. 
And, and what comes to mind when you look at the stagnation of the economy, uh, uh, in terms of, of, you know, stagnation of the economy on why we're failing to, to do mere, what, to produce a mere, what, two, three percent of annual growth, which would make significant dent in terms of addressing unemployment. Um, and, and, and there's a bigger question for me, um, as to why are we continuing with this kind of trajectory? When it is very clear that labor market is saturated and, and, and continuation with this pattern of, of academia, um, it's just simply madness, particularly when you know that, and, and research tells us that the, the future, you know, uh, of academia is very limited. Why are we spending, why is the, the, the expenditure pattern in the higher education space does not reflect a change? Why are we spending more money on universities and less money on TV colleges? I mean, it's very simple. It's a very complex issue, but I mean, the, the, the results, I mean, the, the, the response is relatively simple in my view. If you were to change the funding regime and make TV colleges attractive and fashionable, we can certainly change unemployment rates, you know, in, in this country. What do you think of that? And what comes to mind as I'm projecting this particular image, is the deafening absence of silence of the Human Resource Development Council that is chaired by the Deputy President. How many people, how many of you have heard of, of this particular institution and its mission in terms of driving the, 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 the economic growth through skills development? It is dead silent. In my view, this institution, alongside with CETAS, need a, 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 comp a complete review so that we are able to address the, 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 the challenges that youth are facing in this country. Because it's not a question of lack of resources, it's just a question of realigning and focusing the, the key institution to address key, to, to key issues. Anyway, these are my views. What do you think of this particular perspective? I welcome your views on, on our SMS line, which is 34519. The telegram is 061-895-1019. And of course, uh, my Twitter handle is at Nimrod. Moving on swiftly, uh, I just want to quickly reflect on the Zona Commission and its implications on the investor confidence. Because what happened to the Zona you know, Commission cannot be divorced with, with cannot be divorced from how the country is being projected and how the country likelihood to overcome, you know, the political nightmare that we're facing uh, can actually address some of the issues. I mean, we've heard, we've heard last week that the deputy chief justice has filed an application asking the constitutional court to jail former President Jacob Zuma for two years. You know, we've seen the papers in the media. That has been done. I mean, uh, for me and, and every other South African uh, who, can, who, who bothers to know what is happening in this country is that, I mean, for once we have seen the, 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 the prevalence of the rule of law because it's important that um, the, the, the constitution reigns supreme and, and the law is perceived to be uh, carried out without fear or favor. Otherwise, we, we, we become no less than a banana republic. If the politicians will send unprecedented, unpalatable, un, undesired uh, texture to the public about uh, the application of rule of law, you may have disagreements 
with, with, with the constitution, but still, you still have to abide by it. That for me is a, it's, 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 it's a key, uh, which Judge Jondo has, has been able to demonstrate. And, and he needs the entire country, the entire political fraternity, the entire business sector behind him because, I mean, he's simply doing his job. I mean, the terms of reference are very clear in terms of what happens to an individual who fails or refuses to appear, to appear before the commission because the idea is for individuals, including the former president, of course, to provide or to support, to aid the commission in its findings about what, what went wrong or what did not go wrong. The decision which ought to have been taken or the decision that were not taken and why those kinds of decisions were not taken. So it is quite important, uh, you know, to reflect on these issues. But, you know, in the same way, we've got the likes of Carl Neos. I don't know this guy, which planet does he lives in. I mean, the man has just lost his marble. Every time when I look at him or listen to his talk, there's absolutely no substance. When, it, when you look at this issue from a legal point of view, common law point of view, and any other layman's view, it's just a shamble. What even makes worse? The likes of Ishmael Khashoggi. I mean, he has been party to the NEC team. I mean, he has been party to the NEC in terms of upholding their own resolutions. You know, the Nasdaq conference decided to pass a resolution which summarily will suspend all the cadres that were implicated in wrongdoing. He now wants to take the matter to branches. And the irony is that it is the same branches which has, which has delegated some individuals to pass the very same resolution. I mean, it just does not make sense. It just does not make sense. But what do you, what do you think of those kinds of, of developments? You know, because the reality is that those who run foul of resolution, step, of, of stepping aside, are, 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 you know, are very quick to run to the legal fraternity to sort an alternative view. Anyway, in continuing on this matter, I must indicate that building organizational integrity as the ANCs and as the ANC is, is was claiming to do, it is important for leaders that they are guarded by the moral conscience. Without a moral conscience, we are not going to revive not only ANC, the ANC or any other political party for that matter, because this is not, it's a principal issue. What are your views? What are your thoughts? Please share them with me. Our SMS line is 34519. The telegram, as I indicated before, it is 061-895-1019. And of course, my email address, my, my, my email address, if those who wants to drop me one, is Nimrod at Hardosia Now we have obviously, you know, parted with, you know, this other stuff that really, you know, makes most of us uh, hot on the collar. I'm sure you must have picked up from my from my tone that I am indeed hot under the collar because we're really losing valuable time on pertinent issues. The economy is in ICU. You know, we have unemployment that is that is escalating or that is completely out of control. The the the, the, the we have a number of economic reforms which has been on the table for some time. Land reform, for example, where are we how far are we? Uh, transformation of SOEs, how far are we? Uh, uh, release of the spectrum, how far are we? The list goes on and on and on. These are issues that needs to preoccupy the leadership that people have, of, of, you know, people have voted for. But sadly, they've been sidetracked uh, by running to courts and so on and so forth. But anyway, let's pack that. Let's get to the the solutions. I mean, I believe uh, the the guest, my guest tonight, is one of those people who provide solutions. I suppose we all have that moral 
obligation to provide solution, the kind of quagmire that we found ourselves in. Let me take this opportunity to welcome Tebe, who's no longer a stranger to this particular show. Uh, Tebe, good evening and welcome to Beyond Governance. Good evening and thank you so much for having me over again in the road. No, the pleasure's mine, Tebe. And uh, as in my prelude, I indicated that you are a trailblazer, uh, a person who who doesn't mean his words, um, and you have just launched a new baby, an African Brand Leadership Academy, and which which as all as as I indicated earlier, you really want to take the big boys and girls in a traditional setup of the education high um, education uh, landscape uh, uh, to task. Take us through the, the, the Africa Business Leadership Academy. What inspired you to drive this initiative? Well, I've had two or three things. Um, if you look at uh, Kwame Nkrumah's 1963 uh, speech on the 24th of May, one of the fundamental, one of the fundamental uh, propositions that he put forward then was that we need to create an African market. We need to create African citizenship. But most importantly, we need to create African industry. We need to industrialize. It is now over 60 years and we are still speaking the same language and nothing has happened. So what, the, what, what has happened instead since that time is that if you look at the brand Africa research that we do every year, uh, which we released around May 25, 20% of the brands that Africans admire, only 20% of the brands that Africans admire are African. So it means there's a dis, there's a, a, a rejection of African ideas, a rejection of made in Africa. The second one is finally the Africa continental free trade um, area agreement has been signed now. It's being implemented and the purpose or the goal of it is to move, is to increase intra-Africa trade from 18% to, to 50% in the next 10 years. That is a tall order. And not only is it a tall order, it's an order which is going to be complicated by the fact that the goods which are going to be moving through the continent are not necessarily going to be made in Africa because 80% of them are not made in Africa. So we have that big challenge. So if we are going to industrialize, uh, we, and we, if we don't have an industry to speak for, uh, we don't have a strong private sector uh, businesses that are able to create uh, brands. We are not supporting the entrepreneurs to be able to create uh, solutions which will serve Africans. We are in trouble as a continent. It means that we will not ever achieve that freedom that we talked about, in particular economic freedom. So I started it because I realized that we need to somehow intervene. And the intervention I'm bringing forward is more in a, is, is, is more a capacity intervention. So I say, I'm saying that let us lead at ABLA, at Africa Brand Leadership Academy, let us lead by capacitating, by building the leadership skills of the entrepreneurs, of the executives who are leading big businesses and brands now, and the next generation of leaders to be able to enable them to create brands which respond to the African needs and conditions, but most importantly, that Africans can be proud of and support. Thank you very much for that insight, Teb. I mean, I like the the the, the, the approach which which sought to quantify. I mean, I suppose this is an outcome of your your, your research that you do. Uh, you said after ten years or so, but but the thinking is is. I mean, when you're saying 20% of, um, you know, ideas that are generated in Africa, or, you know, the only 20% of the ideas generated in, in Africa are being accepted or rejected. Um, I mean, what, obviously we have to deal with the psyche of 
Africans in terms of believing in their own product and services. To what extent do you think the, the ABLA, you know, a school is going to work with the psyche? Because it is one thing, I mean, to, to build capacity, which I, which I appreciate. Uh, but, but, you know, I think there's slightly deeper level of working with the psyche of, of, of executives, perhaps maybe psyche of ordinary entrepreneurs for them to have a self-worth, self-belief to a point where there's almost a conscious decision that when you procure something and you say, who produced this thing? And if it's not produced in Africa, you, you give it a second thought. How, I think, yeah. I think it starts with an appreciation of your of your identity of who you are as an African. Fela Kuti once said that I must identify with Africa, then I'll have an identity. A lot of our people don't identify with the continent. But I think it's a big fundamental, a deeper issue that we are going to try and deal with at one level. We're going to try and deal with it from a from curriculum level by introducing a module on African culture, heritage, and societies. And the reason we want to do that is we want people to appreciate what it is that makes us different and makes us distinctive. Because the problem that Africans have, as Africans that we have, is we want to be validated uh, by people outside of the continent before we can accept that which comes out of here. So you know the example of the young man Tepo uh, from Tepo Jeans who created these jeans and sold them for 590 and called them Tepo Jeans. And South Africans were on his case and they were writing on internet and Instagram and everywhere else, slamming him. It was all over the papers. They said, how dare he, how dare he put forward jeans for 590 when I can get jeans at Markham's for 500, which are made in China. Uh, they said, why would I buy jeans named Tepo? Uh, they said, I know Tepo, there's tons of Tepos in the township. There's nothing in, 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 I will not do that. Until Meghan Markle came to South Africa. When Meghan Markle came to South Africa, if you remember, the year before last, and bought a pair of Tepo jeans for herself and for her son, uh, Archie. All of a sudden, the Africans ran to Tepo. They said, Tepo, why do you mean you're out of stock? They forget that they did not support him for him to be able to generate the stock. Because now they say, no, but we need to buy Tepo jeans. He says, sure, I'll give you the Tepo jeans. They are now 1,800 rand, so three times the price. And they were very happy to buy them. Why? Because and somebody from outside of the continent has validated them. So Africans have got a fundamental uh, issue in that we don't believe in ourselves. I think you saw last week, young Tonga boy, Rich Mnesi, uh launched Shibelani for, six, for 60,000. They were all over the case. Some of them are saying, but that's a, that's a, that's a cultural appropriation. I said, what do you mean it's stronger? It's not cultural appropriation. It's called cultural appreciation. Because what it is, is because what, because what he's doing, he is celebrating where he comes from. They're like, but I can go to Soweto, to, to Shawela and buy that Shibelani for 500 rand, for 600 rand for my grandmother. Well, it's not the same one. What he's done is he has, he has put in value. It's created value in the Shibelani, improved the material, improved the craftsmanship, and put it out into the marketplace. Instead, because if he doesn't do that, Louis Vuitton is going to do that, as they did with the Basotho blanket, and then the Africans were complaining. See, you can't please us. Uh, when somebody takes our culture and commercializes it, we run to the, we complain or we run to them and, and support it. When an African does it, we don't support it. So our problem is deep. You're right, indeed. Our problem is um, is that we don't accept who we are. And the only way for us at Abla to to make sure that we deal with it is to give them the fundamentals of an understanding of 
who are you? I mean, you know, Nimrod, when you speak to Africans, especially in South Africa, uh, the young uh, Africans in the 40s, 50s, their children are in private schools, and they speak English to their children. And you say to them, why do you speak English to your child? And they said, oh, oh, but um, they speak English at school, so the teacher says we must speak English to them too, so that they can learn English. So, and I asked them the question, but you went to a township school, you never spoke English to your mother, and you turned out just fine. So, are you with me? So, we, we, we're the generation that, we are the generation that can speak Sichuana and Sipedi and Sitonga very well with our, with our parents and our friends. And then if we need to speak to white folks in their language, we can cross over and speak English uh, just fine. We don't need the accents. We just need the, the understanding. I couldn't agree with you more, um, I couldn't agree with you more, Tabith. Interesting, interesting point that you just alluded to as part of the curriculum. Uh, or one of the modules which is on African culture, uh, which I think it's a unique selling proposition which differentiate your offering, uh, from other, from other, you know, uh, uh, competitors. To what extent is my assertion correct? You are very correct because a lot of, a lot of what you learn in these universities and we've all been through all them, they are teaching us uh, they are they are teaching us using case studies from Harvard and from India and from China. We are not in China. We're not in America. We're in Africa. We need case studies that speaks to who we are, and we need an understanding of the of the consumers that we are serving, and they are African. Whatever color they are, they are African. So by having a, a deep understanding of the culture heritage, I think you remember a, a young man called Credo Mutua who died at the age of 99. Uh, last year. Uh, I mean, he was one of the earlier proponents of, 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 of this idea of get, get people to understand who they are and where they come from. Because when you do that, you are able to get them to appreciate uh, what makes them distinctive. How are we going to compete with the Italians on, on Italian craftsmanship? How are we going to compete with the French on the, on, 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 on the romantic uh, approach of France? How are we going to compete with the Germans on the, on the German, on the engineering ingenuity? We can't compete with them on the platform. What we can do, we can take our, our competitive advantage and take it to the world. You know next week that, um, coming to America is being launched and Eddie Murphy is wearing a Macosa jersey. That's what we need to be doing. We don't need to make a jersey that matches Missoni. We want to make a jersey that is inspired by by, by, by the traditional culture of Matosa from Eastern Cape. No, thank you very much for that insight, Teba. I think you're making a very interesting point. If you've just joined me, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm having a very interesting and thought-provoking conversation with a, a thought leader, Teba Ikalafeng. Do weigh in our conversation. Our SMS line is 34519. Uh, Telegram is 061-895-1019. Uh, and I'm sure Tebe is, is willing and would be more than happy to engage you on whatever questions that you might have. Uh, I'm t- I mean, I don't think you'll ever disappoint. Uh, Tebe, one of the issues that you raised, which I think is pertinent uh, in terms of 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 the the the, the your offering as 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 the the Abela, uh, it is that you know obviously you want to try and address the gaps in the market, and and. This is what your selling proposition is. You, you're providing Afrocentric approach to academia, uh, but, you know, by trying to see what are the unique selling, so unique selling, uh, what, what is, what, what is the unique value add or competitive advantage that will ensure that we grow the African brands to a point where we, we, we flood, uh, 
the thinking and the, the, the thinking which translates into the production of African products and services so that we turn the tide. But in terms of your approach, Tebin, um, uh, 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 you did point out to some of the gaps in the market. Can you maybe just accentuate one or two areas that you have identified as gap in the market, which none of your competitors uh, uh, are, are closing in the manner in which you're trying to close? Well, the one other thing that uh, uh, everybody else does is uh, they do these uh, immersions. They take you from Johannesburg and they go put you in India for a week and they go put you in Brazil for a week and they say that you are going to learn from other emerging markets. Where I am not emerging, I am settled as an African. It is who we are. So I don't don't go compare me with other people who do not have the same circumstances. So so what we will be doing with our emergence when we do when we launch our, our our leadership our leadership program is we will be taking you to the places where Africans live, where they eat, where they where 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 where, where, where how and how they do things. You know, I've been to every country in the continent. No other person in this in in this entire continent in the university has done that. Just hold on, hold on on that very interesting point. Uh, we're gonna just take a break. We'll come back on the very point that you you we mentioned because that for me is unparalleled. But Vusi, can we just take a break and let's pay our bills? We'll come back in a second. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. It is now 28 to 7. I'm having a very thought-provoking and interesting conversation with Tebe, which I believe is quite empowering. Tebe is the founder of Pan-African Adversary Firm, a brand leadership group, and the founder of uh, Brand Africa. He has recently joined, uh, launched African, um, African Brand Leadership Academy, uh, that is the gist of our conversation tonight. Before we into the break, uh, you know, Tebe, you, 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 you pointed out a very important issue, which is this, which separates, uh, Abala from any other institutions that, that, that I'm aware of, that most people are aware of. Uh, as you've already pointed out that, um, in the very few people that we know in person who have traveled the entire continent. And, 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 and again, you juxtapose that with the immersion you know, practices of your so-called traditional or, 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 or well, the so-called, well, most of the business schools in the country. Take us through that thought process. You're saying, you know, you, you know, you don't take people to Brazil, India, and God knows where. You, you are leveraging on your competitive advantage by sitting in the country and exploring and finding out from everybody else on what to build and how to build. But take us through that kind of thinking from your, from your perspective. Maybe let me give you a, 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 an example. When South Africa, during apartheid, when South Africa could not tra- could not expand beyond what it is, it looked inside. So when apartheid government, they were the pariah of the world. They could not create anything. They could not they could not go out and export or import. They could not go send people to go study anywhere else. So what did they do? They looked internally, and what did they create with that? They created the industry that is still that is still the bedrock of South Africa's economy. So that's just an example of of when you take that at a micro level. Now expand it across the continent. When you look into the continent, you are going to find 
within the continent everything that you need to become a success. We do not need to be going beyond. We must collaborate, yes, with the world, but we must collaborate as equals. Right now we are collaborating as beggars and they are the givers. Do you know, I've just, uh, I was just part of a, uh, a research which was launched uh, last week and I was, I was stunned to get the stats that of all the content that's published around the world about Africa, only 1% of it comes from African correspondents. So it means that they are telling the story about Africa from their perspective. So because they are interested in building their narrative. So our job is to look internally and build our own narrative, our own, our, our own ideas. The fact that um, many people have not been beyond Johannesburg uh, and are building brands into the beyond Johannesburg is a problem. Uh, because how do you know those consumers? So I had coffee with, um, I had coffee about 15 years ago. With, um, with, with, with the CEO of Samsung, J.J. Park, I think is his name. And J.J. Park said to me, as, and, and at that stage I'd only been to perhaps 20 countries, and uh, I never actually foresee that I'll be able to finish all the countries. And I said to J.J., J.J., how come Samsung is so successful around the continent? And he said to me, it's a simple answer. I have been, he said him, I have been to every country in the continent. He said, and when I get to those countries, I don't sit in hotels. I don't go to malls. When I come to the countries, I go to the people. I talk to the people. I, I, I eat with them. I watch what, what their challenges, and we create out of those opportunities. And I don't look at them. But Africans, when we see lights go down in another country, we say it's a backward country. Samsung says, but the sun doesn't go down. So why don't we take the sun and turn it into solar energy here in Africa and take those products and now export them out into the world? That's what you do when you look to your own, to your own strengths. The, the challenge that we have now is we are taking strengths from India, strengths from America, and trying to impose them on Africa, and we fail. That's why half of them, when they come back to our continent, they fail in this continent because they are not geared for the, resi for the resilience that's required to build great brands in this continent. No, thank you very much for that insight. One of the issues which I'm assuming is going to be catered for in your programming, um, as you know, uh, the, the Zondo Commission, for an example, it's, it's an embodiment of complete collapse of ethics and ethical conducts. To what extent is the offering, um, is going to, is going to make provision for, for, for ethical leadership so that well, we are what? able to change this because you know, you can have all these good things that you're talking about, Tebe, unless we address ethics and ethical conduct at an executive level, uh, you know, and marry that, marry that with consequence management, we will not turn around, you know, with all your brilliant ideas. But I want to know from your end, what is it that from offering point of view on this particular, you know, explosive topic, which we seem to be, which we seem to fail as Africans? Well, Look one at of the, yeah, yeah. One of the model programs that we are that we are launching is a program on brand governance at the bottom line. So because um, because we understand that you can build all the brands, but you cannot break the rules in in, in doing that. You cannot destroy uh, the, the government. You need to have an ethical um, uh, ethi ethical foundation in doing that, uh, and not just. And when you look at the at, at the bottom line, then you need to ask yourself, how are you dealing with all that? And another program we're launching is a program on responsible branding, and responsible branding is a triple bottom line approach to branding. Uh, which enables you to be able to understand 
that uh, in building in building brands, you need to have a, a, a 360 view on how you're going to deliver. So yes, ethical leadership is important. And yes, uh, what we are seeing at the Zondo Commission, we are seeing the collapse of a country which has which has been brought down to the knees because of a lack of ethical leadership, uh, because of a lack of a, a, a strong moral fiber, because of greed and because of people who are not accountable. So we need to build accountability even in building brands. But that problem that you're seeing in Zondo is a problem that you see across the continent. Maybe they don't have a, a Zondo commission, but they certainly have a Zondo problem. No, thank you very much, you know, Tim, because that for me, uh, I'm quite happy to hear that, you know, part of your offering uh, is, is obviously trying to bridge that particular gap in the market because the reality is that um, it's a shame that, you know, this country is, is, is literally on the brink of collapse. When you look at what has happened over the past nine years, we have barely, you know, uh, we barely raising the, the economy by, by a percent. Over the past 10 years, we barely did 3%, and which is a shame for a country which has got so much uh, resources, uh, capabilities, uh, and, and institutions, and, and infrastructure, Indeed. which far surpasses the rest of Africa, and yet we, we, we are low. When you compare South Africa with other you know, uh, African countries like Tanzania, Kenya, Ethiopia, and so on and so forth, they are in a position, they've been, they've been on upward trajectory in terms of economic growth. You know, some are registering three, four, five percent. We're struggling when you compare with those kind of countries. Uh, but, but you know, the reality is that we, unless we address number, the moral fiber of the country, we're not going to really get to that point. Perhaps my next question, Tebel, as a as an institution, uh, you are tracked. You attract, um, you know, your your best students, or you attract your clients and stakeholders based on. The, the look and feel of your governance structure. Um, I would imagine you've, you know, I've, I've looked at your website. You've got men and women of international stature, uh, who provide confidence. Uh, take us through the thinking behind, you know, the kind of men and women that you have. I've, I mean, it's quite impressive. Uh, I'm here to see, uh, a governance structure that has representation from countries like Kenya, UK, Nigeria, Cameroon, uh, and so on and so forth. Take us through the thinking behind constituting a governance structure with a kind of impeccable pedigree. What we want, what we wanted to do as well is that we didn't want to speak Africa and practice South Africa. Uh, because that is the, that is the, the problem that most, uh, South African South African formed institutions there. They had to speak about the rest of the continent uh, as Africa and themselves as separators from there. So we wanted to project an institution that is truly Pan-African in uh, in nature, Pan-African in focus, but also Pan-African in practice. And that's why that that is why when you look at from a governance, uh, it's it it it, it covers the the four corners of the continent. But also when you look at the faculty. Uh, when we get at, at the faculty, is it, it's also it's also a very pan-African uh, a pan-African uh, faculty, and we did that deliberately. We did that deliberately because uh, we did not want to preach one thing and to deliver something else. Thank you very much. I mean, I couldn't agree with you, Tebe. Um, I, I, it's it's something that um, it's quite unique. As you as you're talking, what comes to mind is how South Africans view themselves in relation to the rest of the continent. You know, uh, and you have a, t- a typical conversation with 
um, ordinary folk and say in, in Africa, uh, and you're talking to, 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 a, some, to somebody who is in South Africa, who is in Africa, and make reference to Africa as if Africa is outside South Africa. So, so I mean, I see where you're coming from. Um, and, and that's a huge mental shift, which mm-hmm. as South Africans need to get their thoughts around. And, and mm-hmm. to, to what extent do you think, because that, that's, that lies in limitation because of, is it education? Is it lack of exposure? Is it, is it traveling? What do you attribute that kind of, um, uh, myopic thinking? You know, almost like which, which project as us and them? Because, because the, the, the extent, the South Africa's, uh, growth is intertwined with that of Africa. To what extent do you think that myopic of how some, some of the South African view themselves in the relation to the rest of Africa is attributed to, uh, either is it education, is it level of exposure? What is it hard? Because there lies in yet another value proposition in terms of what you're offering. The, the, the challenge that South Africa has is that for 48 years, when everybody else was, was, when every other country was, was, was being decolonized and, uh, and asserting or, or at least reclaiming its identity, South Africa remained isolated. And when South Africa came out of isolation, South Africa never came out of sleep because South Africa remained uh, thinking that they are isolated and behaving as isolated. Because what the, what the apartheid government did very well is to try and create the impression that South Africa is different from the rest of Africa, that South Africa is, quote-unquote, more developed, more sophisticated, more all those. We went more developed than any other African country. We just had other areas where we are developed in from infrastructure. Other countries were more developed. Zimbabwe was more developed from an education. Uh, other countries, the Ghanas and Nigerians were pretty more culturally developed. So every country has got an area where they are well developed. It's just that South Africa used a commercial lens to view its relationship to the rest of the continent. And South Africa also forgot that in order to get to where South Africa is now was because of the rest of the continent. So that uh, arrogance of, uh, of South Africans in how they look at the rest of the continent contributes to, uh, to, to, to the language of us and them. Thank you. For, thank you very much for that insight, Tebe. Um, I'm sure you've got a question for Tebe. If you've just joined us, I'm having a very thoughtful, working, interesting conversation, uh, which is quite building uh, in my in my view. Do weigh in our conversation via our SMS line, which is three four five one nine. The telegram, of course, is zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Tebe promises to respond to all your questions. Tell him I send you all your questions. <laughs> Tebe, just going back. <laughs> Just going back in again, in terms of of, of this kind of Pan-African approach, uh, which which uh, I believe is a unique selling proposition, which uh, finds expression both at your governance level but also at operational level, because um, you know that also is a lifeblood. I'm talking about you know the operations, which is Pan-Africanist in its orientation in or, or outlook. It's a lifeblood of any functional. Uh, entity such as such as such as yours, um, take us through the thinking. I mean, you've got it. I've, I've noted in your website you've got a number of, of of faculties: Kenya, Cameroon, Nigeria, and so on and so forth. Uh, what is their view about South Africans, uh, and 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 how do they? Because for them, you know, for for, for them to be part and parcel of 
Abala, the, the assumption in my mind is that they also uh, have the same understanding of how South African project themselves in relation to Africa, on or how Africa really view South Africans, you know. So what is that 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 dominates the thinking um, as they are uh, as they've agreed to be part and parcel of this wonderful journey that you have orchestrated? Well, in putting together the the list of the of the faculty and the list and and the team in the at the governance level at the council level, I was very clear that I'm going to bring people who believe in Africa. Who are, who are pan-African in their approach and who've been exposed not just to the continent but to the world. So are very objective in the view of the world. So I did not bring people who've got a view about South Africa or a view about Nigeria or a view about Kenya. I brought people who've got a view about our world and are invested, uh, and are invested in, in, in the success of Africa. Thank you very much, Table, for that, for that point. I would imagine you and I will have coffee uh, over some, uh, in the next couple of years and we'll be reflecting on this particular initiative, uh, uh, maybe even this particular conversation. What is it that you want to look back over the past, what, let's say five years from now onwards, in terms of your conception of this, uh, you know, this trailblazing initiative? What, what is it that you want to look back and see happening? So we we are not going to measure ourselves by the number of students uh, that are going to go through us, but we are going to measure ourselves by the influence that our approach and thinking has got in the rest of academia and the rest of of, of the continent uh, in how they approach the continent. But most importantly, more on a concrete level, we're going to measure ourselves by the by the growth and development of African inspired brands or brands which are which respect Africa. That's a useful input. I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, there, there are so many, uh, you know, uh, uh, aspirant entrepreneurs uh, in the township and rural areas and, and all corners of the country. What is the, what is the, you know, do you have an approach in terms of bringing all these kinds of, uh, you know, inter- entrepreneurs into the fold? Because the, 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 the key success indicator that you, that you have alluded to is, 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 you know, inspiring the creation of more brands that are homemade, be it in South Africa or Namibia, Swaziland, Lesotho, and so on and so forth. How would you, what, what's your approach in, in, from that end in terms of bringing uh, and, and fermenting, if you like, uh, more and more uh, entrepreneurs within the country? So we are, we are piloting um, a program with Proudly South Africa in two weeks where we are bringing together entrepreneurs we're going to have a few within the COVID regulations live, and then we're going to have the rest of the thousands of them join us uh, via the digital, by, 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 uh, uh, digitally, where I'll be running through uh, uh, a program uh, on how to transform their brands, how to transform their ideas into, into great brands. Because you see, what we're, not, what we're not short of, we're not short of people with ideas. We are short of people who can take those ideas and make them competitive and sustainable and profitable. But here's another issue, Tabe, that, that every entrepreneur would, would, would literally throw at your face when you talk about, uh, I mean, I mean, I agree with you. We don't have, we don't lack brilliant ideas. We have got, um, you know, a plethora of brilliant ideas which, which are ready to be commercialized. And, and part of the collaboration, perhaps maybe I want to get your, from your end, is partnership with funding institution. 
because we know that not only South Africa, but throughout the country, throughout the continent, the majority of aspirant entrepreneurs uh, struggle to get their products and services to market. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to see how how do you how do you uh, support through your program that kind of collaboration with funding institutions so that you're able to mitigate the gaps that 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 are that that have been imposed. Well, we are working we are we we are working with some partners now because because there's two halves to or three three or four parts to every to every to every entrepreneurial endeavor. One is the idea. Second is the funding. Third is the uh, is how you're going to manage this thing. But most importantly, how you're going to brand this. So we are partnering with other people to do the other half while we're doing the other half. So so you are you are on the money when you say uh, uh, how we're going to partner. So I think the one thing that's uh, that distinguishes us as well is that we're very collaborative. So we'll be collaborating with a range of institutions that will enable us to be able for us to focus on our strengths. And, and them to focus on our strengths. I mean, one of the one one of the uh, collaborations we are working on now is with um, with African Leadership University in Mauritius and in Rwanda, uh, where we we are collaborating on developing uh, uh, um, modules uh, to serve uh, the, this community of Africans who want to who want to contribute to the development of the continent. Very inspiring indeed. Very inspiring indeed. And I'm amazed. I don't know whether people are just loving what they're hearing. Or, or I'm missing them because I'm not seeing any uh, appetite. I mean, uh, please, we've got like three, four, five minutes to go. Uh, please weigh in on our conversation with Tebe. I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Um, uh, you know, uh, he, I'm sure he, he's more than happy to respond to your questions. Our SMS line is 34519. Uh, Telegram is 0618951019. Uh, my, my guest online is Tebe Kalafeng, who is the, uh, the, 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 the brainchild behind Africa uh, uh, brand leadership, um, uh, you know, Africa uh, Africa brand uh, leadership academy. I beg your pardon. Uh, it, which is a newly established uh, entity which sets to take the landscape of higher education. Uh, uh, well, apparently wants to obliterate it uh, in a more positive way by providing, you know, uh, you know, programs that are Afrocentric or Pan-Africanist in their orientation, so that you know we, we reverse the kind of challenge that that he has identified. Um, we literally have about five, about three minutes to wrap up, uh, Tebe. Uh, your part in short, uh, from where you're sitting, uh, in terms of taking this wonderful institution that you have created to greatest heights, and what is it that you need from all the hard listeners and South Africans uh, and, and everyone else who's listening to the show tonight to make it a success? Uh- what I want from them is uh, to do exactly what we've, what we've done, is that uh, we've taken the leap of faith. We are doing this, and they must get behind this. It's not a black thing. It's not uh, a thing done by an African. It's going to be a world. It is a world-class uh, idea that is delivered by, by Africans. So because, you know, there's this thing that if something is done by an African, it is not of the same quality. We are beyond the qualities they are used to. They need to uh, get on board, sign up at Info, uh, they must go to www.abla.academy, www.abla.academy or email us at abla, te, uh, email us at info at abla.academy and get started. We've got exciting programs. I'm 
terribly excited by the two by two programs. One is a brand leadership for entrepreneurs, and the second one is brand leadership for the creative economy, because that is the those are the two areas where we need to be driving uh we need to driving excellence in this continent. Talking of excellence in the continent, uh, my last question to you, Teba, is strategic partnership with corporate um, with 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 entities such as business leadership sa with uh, uh busa uh you know black you know black business council and so on and so forth how far have you ex- are you have you explored those kind of relationship because ultimately the success of a pan-africanist uh, movement such as yours because i want to uh, you know the thinking is that we need to see it as a movement which yeah. which is making a a difference in terms of creating you know, confidence and pride in products and services, uh, you know, you know, developed, um, you know, in Africa. And I, that the philosophy of these institutions that I've referred to is similar to yours. So um, the question is, uh, are you, are you, are you in bed with them and what sort of collaboration are, have you explored or is it something that you are in the process of exploring? We're in, we're in the process of, we, we will, con- we, every great idea, gets evolved over time. We are now at a stage where our partnerships are with other like-minded institutional uh, arrangements, and we are open. We, we're already working with some corporates already, but what we don't what we want to avoid, we want to avoid this press conference, uh, a press release type of, of, of partnership where people just want to take pictures and, uh, and add no value to each other. We want to pursue the partnerships which will create and add value to what we do rather than people who just want to take pictures. Thank you very much, Tebe. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. I sincerely hope um, our listeners have uh, food for thought and are embracing this wonderful initiative that you have come up with and will certainly uh, be on a lookout in terms of the new developments at your end. It has been a pleasure to have you on board, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much and appreciate I appreciate the opportunity. All the very best. Thank you. There you are. There is Tebe Galafing. Uh, the leader of uh, you know, African Black, African Brand Leadership Academy, amongst numerous initiatives that he has started, uh, which 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 promises to be uh, a, a remarkable initiative in the uh, African continent. I mean, the number of uh, interesting you know issues that uh, views that he has shared with us, which I I, I hope you concur with them. For me, what stood out in our conversation with Tebe is the Pan-Africanist approach. When you look at the, you know, I, I encourage you to, look to, to go to their website um, and you look at the, the composition of the, the, the governance council, look at the composition of the faculty. Um, by no stretch of imagination is an attempt to break away with this sort of silo uh, uh, superiority kind of complex which South Africa sees themselves in. And if you are really to, you know, to make a difference in the continent, we really need to to look at each other as 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 brothers in uh, brothers in arms, so to speak. And I sincerely hope this is one of those initiatives that is likely to deliver the goods. Um, unfortunately, we're going to leave it there. It has been absolutely wonderful. I want to thank uh, Rabisa for coordinating the show and Vusi for you know uh, keeping us keeping us on air without any glitches tonight. Uh, let's do this again. In the meantime, do stay safe um, and have a good one. Shalom. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.